Hello. Hey, today. Hey, right. Welcome to the NXT Generation podcast. It's happening now. It's a slightly sloppy start. We're doing something slightly different this week. Um, when I started, uh, when I thought about starting a podcast about wrestling with some of my friends, I thought it might bring us closer together. But now, for the first time, we're actually recording in separate rooms, so that's going well. Um, it's even more embarrassing because the fact that I could cycle over to your house in about five minutes and it'd be way easier than dealing with the podcast app, with Skype, with Facebook Messenger and any other way of trying to record this bullshit. I should have probably just gone over your pad. Sorry, yeah, mate. I don't know why you've not bothered. Uh, but never mind, we're here now. Yeah. We're doing this. And uh, the, you, that was Sam Smith. I'm Chris Chopping. And we're here to review NXT from two nights ago. So that would be... The 26th of June. 26th of June. Yeah. Well, technically, still tonight, if you work on my uh, my time schedule. We've both been busy, haven't we? You, we've both been gigging tonight. Yeah, we've been out there in the world uh, entertaining to various degrees. Uh, yeah, I, I probably you more than me. I had a bait. I had an absolute baller tonight. Yeah. It's not the best, but there you go. Did you have a good night? Um, we had uh, an audience of five this evening, so... Oh, no. <laughs> Is... As you can tell, we're achieving on yeah. the NXT generation. We're, we're striving. This is why we don't normally talk very much about ourselves at the start of the podcast. Um, makes sense. We normally crack straight on. Um, so apologize, uh, I apologise to listeners to any any unusual sound quality issues. It's the first time doing this. Here we go. I can hear people in the background where you are, Sam. Who, who's that? Can you hear my lot a bit too loud? Yeah. All right, I'll... Uh... I'm going to skive off into the back room and then maybe it'll be a bit quieter. Yeah. Oh, that sounds better I'm, already. I'm literally in the bar that I work at after hours <laughs> because I couldn't go home in time ready to watch the show and record this podcast. So uh, I decided to dive back after hours into my bar and they're all tidying up. They're having a great time. <laughs> but, it's, nice. uh, it's not ideal for recording a podcast. No, but it's nice that you get to watch NXT there. That's pretty cool. Oh, it was actually quite nice. Uh, one of my colleagues, he, he watched wrestling in the Attitude Era and his, his brother's a big fan, so he'd watch it with him, but it's never anything he watched. And he, he watched this episode of NXT with me and, uh, oh, and, and, and he gave me, he, he kind of showed me into how he, how he viewed it and what, what bits it brought his attention and what bits he didn't care for. It was quite interesting. Loved the Street Profits. Really yeah. like this. Yeah, from a, an outsider, from a normie point of view, the street profits are so easy to to befriend and get into. Sure, yeah, they're very um, accessible. Yeah, they're last. Um, what did you think of this show? I thought it was really good. I've I've, I've written quite a lot of notes, considering that it was a bit of a, a, a tasseled together intro before a very big main event that did not deserve to be on a Wednesday night. It was a takeover quality main event. Did you think? Definitely. I. I felt that this was a mixed bag of a show. Um, I really enjoyed last week's show, and I mean, I'm aware, it's always one of those ones where you kind of you miss the people who are away. Then the subsequent week, when there's been a really good show, and you don't really see any of those guys for a, a week or two. Mm. So uh, it was one of those for me. But we'll, I guess, we'll crack on. Uh, we'll start with the opening match, the uh, Wacky Wild versus Angel Garza match, which was part of the new. Breakout tournament is that is that what they're calling it? The yeah, NXT? it's it's their way of throwing loads of new faces and new names at you 
and and get you interested. This mm-hmm. really caught my attention because I saw Jacqueline Wild at um, a progress show in Birmingham a few months back, and oh, his, really? uh, his indie name DJZ, same exactly the same gimmick with the lights and the the flashy hands, but instead of putting a, a W up with his hands, he put a Z. <laughs> would expect um, flippy, big bombastic moves, crowd popping, but you expect him to lose. Right. Uh, and it's exactly what he did here. He can't spend his entire career as a jobber. He's got well, too I... much... Like, he will he will be popular wherever he goes. And it works on the indies because you, you go somewhere and you're very impressive and you do all the flips, but the big guy beats you. Mm. But you can't do that in somewhere that you're contractually obliged to stick around for. With and when you're appearing on TV and people get to see you on a regular basis oh totally um and it made um gaza look deliberately dull like to to contrast of wild's flippiness and and all his high-flying stuff he had to look particularly boring yeah i thought they were building up um whacking for the win to be honest because they had all the kind of the pre the vox pops ahead of time they're talking talking head bits and Joaquin was talking about how he had this scar from this injury when he was younger and how he'd been written off by people. And mm. Angel just seemed like a bit of a cocky heel kind of figure. Um, it was very re- lazy. Um, uh, the the story Wilde said about his injuries was, was legit. He had to go off for six months to a year. He had a pretty nasty injury. Sure. True. Um, but, but I thought they were using that to kind of then build him up as like the... The underdog, the the baby face, who was then going to push pull through in the competition, and 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 then he did, I'm not sure about this slightly American idolizing of professional wrestling. Like I'm not sure if I want to hear people's kind of sad backstories immediately out of their first matches. But yeah, I thought they were bringing him in to make him look like a winner. And yeah, like you say, Angel Garza looked a little bit dull. He had the whole tear-away trousers gimmick, which um, seemed to get quite a reaction in the room. There were some bits that were particularly bad. I noticed the particularly bad sunset flips that... When you're you're taking notes watching through a match and you don't want to just pick on particular spots, they're they're putting these people together that are new to the performance centre. They do better than that on random indie show. Right. The quality was low. And how do you then make Wild look anyway interesting after that tournament? Because you've just fed him to someone. I expected more from him. I, I thought Gaza completely covered him over. I didn't think there was any competition from mm-hmm. Wild. It was notably one-sided, which doesn't what, help. It doesn't what, help either of them. What did you think of the tearaway trousers? Naff, naff as fuck on both on both parts. The lights are naff. The trousers are naff. Um, I'm, I'm. Uh, to be fair, I'm not very easily amused. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a miserable old git. Well, my thing is, it got. It seemed to get quite a big response from the full cell university crowd. There was some whooping when he sort of tore off his trousers, almost as if, oh, it's exciting. As a sexy man, we're seeing more of his legs and and stuff. But but I mean, lots of wrestlers. Just wear sort of the tight pants anyway. They come out in their knickers. You should expect better than that. 
if yeah. that's what you if that if that's what you watch wrestling for, fair play. But you 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 want more than that. That that seems plus, underpowered. Plus, any sort of sort of arse or trouser bulge that you might want to be looking out for in a wrestler, you could pretty much see in the tights that they were wearing at the start of the match anyway. So I don't know. I uh, it was uh, something I I mentioned to my girlfriend whilst watching a uh, stomping ground on Sunday. Yeah. Um, it was in the uh, Mac- Drew McIntyre match with Raman. And there was a particular angle where you could see right up his legs. You could see he's packing. He's got a, he's got a big gentleman, Drew. Fair play. Big boy. And then after that, they never used the same angle again. Yeah. And for the rest of the match, they didn't use that camera. So they know. <laughs> they know when they, let, they reveal a bit too much. They're, they're savvy to it. It's a PG product. <laughs> well, it's not. <laughs> they, had to, they had to cut to black, didn't they, for Becky Lynch at a wardrobe malfunction. I think, was it the Royal Rumble? Yeah. I'll never see that again. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was a piece of shit. And then it went on to a, a, a skit with Kushida, who uh, wants to take over the entire company. Raw, SmackDown, NXT, he doesn't care. He wants to take over the lot. Building him up to be a super face. Super, super human face. I quite like this. I couldn't care less. (laughs) I've not been overly impressed by Kushida so far. Uh, Or not unimpressed, but just not particularly excited. And, And I think I just enjoyed this because it felt tonally kind of at odds with a lot of stuff. He just seemed to have a quite a cool, calm, kind of laid-back manner. And obviously, just I mean, it might literally just have been the fact that it was done in Japanese with subtitles, which you just know they're never going to let that fly on the main roster. So I, I wish they did. If they want to make it seem more sport, when you watch UFC, there's mm. a thing with watching the UFC where they'll have Brazilian fighters or Puerto Rican fight, fighters, and they can only speak Spanish or Portuguese or whatever. When they do the, the build-ups, uh, they're in they will have translators for the press conferences and they'll they will absolutely nail into the, the person that they're gonna have a legit shoot fight against mm. in 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 a secondary language and then it'd be translated. And then they hear the response from the other person translated back to them. But it still works. It's not an excuse for why you can't uh build build a feud between two people and them hate each other just because they have a translator in the middle. It might make it more realistic. You know, I like my realism in my wrestling. You know, what I'm like sure. Well, I I'm inclined to agree with you, and I I think it was nice having it here. The only shame is when he's saying he wants to challenge people from you know Raw and SmackDown and, and all over the show. You know, well, it, it feels unlikely that's going to happen because you need to work your way up, son. You've got maybe beat Velveteen Dream first, and then think about. Sure, but even then, it it makes it feel like, well, he's not going to get anyone off the main roster just yet because this is all in Japanese and and Vince isn't going to allow it. That said, maybe Paul Heyman or Eric Bischoff can talk him into it. I was waiting for you to point that out because it makes this entire uh, process of talking about um, development change completely. It's really important. The fact Mm. that those two now, they have positions on the board they're executive producers. They report directly to Vince. They're responsible for the TV shows. 
and they're two mm-hmm. of the most experienced people in the entire industry. They have the, two of the best track records. They they fucked up a lot of times, but ignore that. It it changes how NXT's looked at. Heyman in particular is not gonna. He he's gonna care for continuity, and Heyman is running Raw. So if the guy that runs Raw, and I hope he gets left to it, left to his own devices, is paying attention to all this stuff and actually keeps it going over, Kushida can actually have a good six, eight, twelve-month build, and then when he comes up, it's continuity and it's kept. And also, I mean, Heyman's well known for kind of getting the best out of people with their promos, things like that. So mm. hopefully, then he can kind of bring people in. You know, people like EC3 aren't going to be left to flounder. You know, an equivalent person coming up would be given stuff to do, would be given a way to kind of sell themselves. And they'll think about having storylines for these people coming in so you don't have just the main event scene and everyone else chasing for the 24-7 title. Yeah, but the problem is a lot of the people that are clamouring around the 24-7 title, the the people that are are pining for opportunities that are very good at their craft, Mm. deserve way better. So uh, Cedric Alexander, EC3, uh, Drake Maverick to an extent, like he shouldn't be wallowing away in some like manager valet role. He's way better than that. Uh, if you actually give them more time over the show for their own basis and their own stories, they don't feel like they're just being lost in this gimmick title. And I, I think Heyman's the best guy for it. Bischoff, Bischoff does dumb stuff. <laughs> I don't know how much WCW you watched at the turn of the millennia, but Bischoff is a a piece of work, it's... and it, I I can't wait. I can't. It will make the show look different. Like Tuesdays will look different to Mondays. Yeah, that'll have be a different good. feel. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know Eric Bischoff. I guess has had more experience with dealing with kind of high powered TV executives than Heyman, maybe. Yeah, he's got his... TV. TV experience more so. Uh, Heyman also has a reputation for being the ECW guy. He's very much an indie purist, whereas sure. Trishoff's a bit more willing to uh, play to the network. And I mean, my my knowledge of Hay- of uh, Bischoff is very patchy. Uh, if the I mean, if the WWE Network documentary series on the Monday Night Wars is anything to be believed, basically he had one good idea in the NWO, and uh, and then just iterated on that into it. He ran it into the ground, but I'm sure, uh, you know, history is written by the winners, isn't it? I'm sure there's more. To yeah, but there was no one keeping him in check. But mm. when he when he got back on board as a personality and as a writer in the like just before the ruthless aggression era, mm. it was almost like there was somebody to tow him back in line. Sure. And if he's looking to the like the corner of his eye, and there's Heyman doing Heyman, which is always always gold he'll know to rein it in. Uh, I think that's a good dynamic. You never know. It could be an absolute fucking house fire. But it could be, or it could be, <laughs> we'll have to see. It could be another false dawn and nothing really changes. So we'll find out, won't we? Um, yeah, we'll find out. Um, from one house fire to another, this uh, episode of NXT then went into Street Profits Against Forgotten Sons because that's something you just throw at a NXT TV show, a network show with no no prepared warning just yeah chuck chuck a tag team match of those two i, I don't uh take issue with that i enjoyed that i was glad they did it. i like when they have these guys on the 
well, not the Forgotten Sons so much, but I like when the Street Profits are on. I like when they, and I was quite excited by them putting the titles on the line. Um, yeah, my my friend really liked the Street Profits. Like straight away, the character, the gimmick, is, is instantly likable. He he got behind them straight away. Well, they yeah, as we said before, they're very accessible. What what I liked about this match is you've got them putting the titles on the line. There was then confusion on commentary about whether or not the belts are on the line or not. And we didn't really know what was happening. Um, what I would like to see, actually, is like if there was a heel tag team who came out and said, look, we're going to put the belts on the line, and then the bell rings and they fight the match, the heel tag team lose... And then they say, oh, yeah, nah. well, we said the belts were on the line, but no one made it official, did they? So doesn't count. And then, so we're right. then you'd need like a kind of a, I don't know if that'd work with William Regal. You might need like a heel GM to come out and enforce it. But maybe William Regal could go, oh, yeah, OK, that wasn't official. But now we're going to give you a proper tag match for the belts next week. And but obviously with Forgotten Sons being faces, you, you know, you kind of miss out on that storytelling opportunity. But it doesn't matter anyway, because... Um, Riker was at ringside, which was another thing. I kind of thought they could have used that as leverage as well. Of, of kind of, we know Riker always interferes with all your matches. So, if you send Riker to the back, we'll put the titles on the line. Maybe that could have been a story thing. Yeah, yeah. That's also completely ignoring what they actually went for. Sure. Which doesn't put this match with any relevancy to going forward in the tag division. On its own, it's lazy. I, I, I wrote down a zero risk. It's it's literally uh, taking away any meaning to a, a title match or a match between two people at the top of the division because you're just going to chuck Lorcan and Birch in with ten minutes to go. So it, it means nothing. It literally takes away all of the risk, mm. and from that you have none of the reward as well. So you're watching that and you just you stop caring. But it made Riker look completely stupid because he interferes, causing a disqualification in a title match. So they lost, you know, his guys lost by disqualification when they had a shot at the title and that that was just handed to them. You know, maybe now having lost that, they won't be given the next opportunity. Maybe they're not at the front of the queue anymore. So it didn't really make sense for Riker to just interfere blatantly in front of the referee, earn them a disqualification. It also makes no sense that uh, Lorcan and Birch come out of it looking like they're the, the go-getter, looking for opportunity, plucky tag team. Because mm. what do we end up with? We end up with another triple threat. Great, fantastic. But you don't have any real beef between any of the teams. You just have a, a continuation of the same old people trying to nick gold from each other. There's no real personal beef. Well, didn't Lorcan and Birch get a win uh, last week or the week before because Jackson Riker came out and distracted someone during a match? And so then Lorcan and Birch picked up a win because of a Jackson Riker distraction. Yeah, like a shitty little aside. um, That is exactly what Lorcan and Birch did tonight. They were getting involved after the fact, to be fair. Yeah. But they were getting involved in a match that they had no place to be involved with. Like let's say um 
let's say Scotland Suns beat Street Profits, they're, they're, they become the, the champs or at least have a good opportunity to be the belt. Lorcan and Birch have no involvement. Mm. They're gone. Like, you're, you're at least second in line. But this puts them all back together. It gives them all, like, equal footing in this tag division. There's no one else. There's no one in the periphery. They don't... And I think it's a problem with NXT because they're hour-long shows and they don't get to show a, a random match between two tag teams that they're trying to build up, two random sets of people. It's constantly trying to fight between a little pool of people. Mm. But you're not... They're not letting each other actually, like, have a, a, a dynamic between each other. This works. Like, Street Profits against Forgotten Sons has a... It has at least the thread of a storyline. There's a clear face and a clear heel and... I'd want to see it at a takeover. But if you get Lorcan and Burgeon again, it don't make anyone look better. Well, you I don't could... think it makes the match look better. You could have uh, Forgotten Sons and the Street Profits have a feud for a while, build that to the next takeover. Meanwhile, you can split off uh, Birch and Lorcan, have them feud with the Undisputed Era guys, and those guys can kind of then have their own little separate feud, but maybe that leads to who's going to be the next contender once the Forgotten Sons are dealt with. Yeah, you're, you're booking a proper tag team division. The problem is, is that no one seems to be able to do that anymore. Oh. Which is a shame. But, oh no, all the people involved in this, even the Forgotten Sons, who we give loads of grief to on this show, yeah. granted, but they're talented. They, they, if you have the heel bad guy like hoss shit house stable, they do a they do a pucker job at it. You know exactly what they're they're trying to put over. Mm. But you they're never letting them actually have a run against the face champs. They're never letting them go against the plucky underdogs that want to fight for the title. With with screw screw finishes like this and like ambiguous ends, it doesn't actually develop the, the tag team division at all. No. So no, no, it doesn't, Chris. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't, and it's. But you're right. As, I, as you can tell, I got annoyed by watching this match because everyone involved isn't shit. <laughs> At the very least, isn't shit. Like I've, like I said, I've learned to somewhat respect Forgotten Sons. Mm. I like at the start of the podcast, you kind of. Uh... Talk quite enthusiastically about this episode, and so far, <laughs> like um, we've talked. No, 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 no. Shreds, but I'm invested. But... I'm invested. I care. I want. No, to... that's that's From good. What they covered. I want to see what what happens with it. But they seem to constantly be throwing throwing sticks into the river, and it, I don't want to catch them out. Fair enough. And we move on then, <laughs> and we'll talk about the promo from Elia and Vanessa Bourne. What did you think of this? <laughs> Um, I'm. I was at a pub and I couldn't hear it properly, but I, I, from what I could follow, they were literally just screaming at each other. I mean, well, they were screaming. <laughs> they weren't really screaming. They were talking down the camera, and they were uh, very much on the same side. To be honest, you didn't miss much not being able to hear it because it was Aaliyah and Vanessa Bourne basically talking about Mia Yim some more, uh, continuing the same kind of theme as when they were calling her stupid and giving her English for dummies books. They're, oh, fantastic. Yeah, that's, that's all they need to do. They're kind of continuing this whole clueless slash mean girls aesthetic, talking about themselves as highers and Mia Yim as lowers. And I don't know, I, you know, they have this whole women's revolution thing in WWE that they're really proud of. 
And every time they treat women's wrestlers as just kind of bitchy teenage girls um, because they don't know how to write for them, it feels like backsliding. And there's nothing wrong with having a couple of bitchy characters in the mix, but it just... I get very suspect of uh, I, WWE's I think, writers. I think that's the trick. They need to find a way of making that bitchy teenager gossip girl character. Bliss is a prime example. Alexa Bliss does that with so much grace. Mm. Brilliant. Fantastic. One of the best on the roster when it comes to promos, when it comes to character work. But you do it because it's a character, because it's part of the, the, the feminine psyche, if you were. Mm. In the same way that you need to have a, a heel and face dynamic between the blokes, you need to do that with the women. And it's going to be slightly different. It needs to be somewhat trained towards... And often wrestling stereotypes, I hate to say it, but maybe they need to do the uh, the popular girl gimmick or the... Uh, like, uh, as, as, a, as a slight term, have you seen the rumours about them trying to build a lesbian storyline on SmackDown? Yes. Fine. They've done it in the past. They did it terribly. Maybe if they do it again, they'll do it better. But do it for the basis of it being a good storyline or something you actually want to cover and something you actually want to follow through with as opposed to just doing it because it seems like the right thing to do or it seems like an opportunity to show that you're not just the same old sexist bullshit that we're used to from the Attitude Era. Mm. I kind of feel that uh, NXT should be above that. They should do storylines based just upon building character. They shouldn't have to worry about themselves in that kind of world. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think I think I see what you're saying. Yeah, it shouldn't. I'd like to think they're above it. I'd like to think they're above it, trying to like fucking score points and make these big gestures. Sure. To show how, what their program is like. They should just do it because it's a, a compelling storyline. I get it. I think, I think part of my problem with Aaliyah and Vanessa, Vanessa Bourne, though, is because they're playing these kind of bitchy kind of characters. There's something about that. They don't seem like credible threats to me again, let alone as, as people who might be built up to face, you know, an Anyone. Shirai or a Shayna Baszler. Yeah. Like, they just oh, seem no, like people who are designed to be kind of swept aside. But so are the, are the Iconics, and they've They've done a great job on the main roster. True. So their their job is to look like gobshites. Mm. I I kind of re- I've got a lot of respect for the Iconics in how they have slipped in with the like their wrestling skills, their 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 actual abilities as performers is completely irrelevant, completely irrelevant. Yet they they totally like own half the show. They get involved in men's matches. They mm. get involved in main ro- like other stuff. They are very useful. And you can tell when it comes to getting heel heat from a crowd, when they're in, like, boo, boo the hometown kind of stuff, they're better at it than, especially on a bill with Elias. They're, yeah. they're the ones that are getting to do the, like, boo, we hate San Francisco kind of shit. Shows they're pretty good. I, I have hope. I have hope for them. In the same way I have hope for Vanessa and Elias. I think they'll do fine. Fine. All right. Cool. And then we had, coming up, after that we had... The match between uh, Keith Lee and your boy, your boy Keith, Keith Lee. So James Dunn, listen out there, will hopefully be very happy. Will have popped his tits off seeing Keith Lee turn up on a program. <laughs> and I'll give him a ring after this podcast and tell him. Yeah, do. He'll be, he'll be gutted because he always misses it. Yeah, I know. He's. You never see him in the same room, dear. Suspicious. 
But, Keith Lee is James Dunn. Yeah, get that. Illuminati confirmed. Get that trending. Um, and then he was up against someone who I can only imagine we'll be seeing a lot more of. Uh, Nikos Rikos. Nikos Rikos. Yeah. Well, this, this match ended pretty quick. He, he killed him. Yeah. I, well, this is what you want from Keith Lee. We we don't need to discuss this anymore. Keith Lee turned up. He killed the jobber. Done. Great. I would have liked to have seen a bit more of the kind of freakish athleticism that everyone always keeps talking about because it was just kind of a a shoulder block and then a and a slam and then and then it was done. I'd like to have seen him. If he if he doesn't need to do it, he shouldn't have to do it. I know, but I've been waiting so long to see Keith Lee, and then. You know, I just want to see him do some some freaky, outlandish shit. That's what I want. Yeah. Well, give him a better opponent. So now you want to see him again. That's the thing. Like with Keith Lee, it's it's the gift that keeps on giving. You constantly want to see him turn up, and he doesn't. <laughs> and then and then you hope he comes next week. Yeah. So he turned up and he had a squash match, and eventually he'll have a takeover match against Matt Riddle, and it'll be brilliant. All right, fantastic. And this guy, but before we move on, I do want to say that Nikos Rikos. I mean, there are none more jobber jobbers out there, are there, than this guy? Like Beth, <laughs> Beth Phoenix on commentary said, his physique is his biggest weapon, and I can only assume he's trying to keep. Oh, that's a horrible thing to say. I didn't hear that. That's grim. Well, <laughs> I mean, I can only assume he was trying to keep his biggest re- weapon kind of hidden and under wraps because he turned up in a bin bag with a flag on it and <laughs> like oftentimes they do a good job you know when they bring two new guys out on NXT and you're not really sure who's the jobber here to take the fool and who's the the guy even before we realized it was up against Keith Lee even before Keith Lee came out I knew Nikos Rikos is I mean he I kind of feel like Nikos Rikos should be get a role on the main roster just as as a you know, in that professional jobber slot, just for the comic value of it, because he's just so obviously the jobber. Yeah, but you you build someone like that up to like Santino Morella levels of. You want him to win once in a while, so you keep him around because mm. you want him to eventually do good at his passion, his job. Not tonight. Tonight, you just want Lee. You just want Keith Lee. That's ex. You want nothing more and nothing less. You just want this to be an excuse for Keith Lee to get involved. Did we find out whether he was injured or not for why he was away for so long? Yeah, he was out with an injury for a while. It was an undisclosed injury, though, so... Well, at least that explains why he we were missing him. Yeah, hopefully they're going to be kind of building him back up now because he's been... He's a bit on the periphery, isn't he? There's the kind of main event scene, and he's kind of on the outside, stuck on the outside of it at the minute. So, hopefully, well, at least he's coming back. At yeah, least he's coming back. That's the trick. Um, but this this was great. It, it showed off Keith Lee. It gave Reese a little bit of, of airtime, I guess. But it was very much a, a transitionary match before the main event. Jesus, what a main event! Beforehand. Well, Beforehand, we had two promos. Yeah. One for Takeover UK, which I can't go to because I'm away on holiday, and another one for Cole's Celebration Tour, which I can't go on because I'm too poor, which uh, sucks. It does suck, but although they did tease they were going to do some sort of prank, um, they found some sort of donut shop called Gargano's. So, fuck, that's dreadful. <laughs> 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 what? 
you know, let's see how it plays out next week. I, I feel like it's going building to something. I'm looking forward to seeing how many donuts he's ordered. I'll I'll give them patience. All I'll right. let them go. I'll give them some time. They also announced that Roderick Strong is going to be facing Tyler Breeze next week. Oh, really? Yeah. That'd be good. That, I, I, sorry, I wasn't paying a great deal of attention to this episode, to be honest. I've been a busy boy. I've had a long night. Sure. But that, that's a big book. That's good. That's lush. That is going to be a good match. I'm looking forward to that. I uh, slightly thought the end of the six-man tag was going to tease kind of more, um, what's the word, kind of dis, disharmony between Tyler Breeze and Velveteen Dream, given that Velveteen Dream kind of tagged himself in and then kind of fucked up and lost them. The, I the think match. they're going to chip between storylines for the next couple of episodes of NXT before they work out what to go, go for the next takeover. I think they're going to tease both. I think both can still happen at the same time. I don't think they know what they're going to do for SummerSlam, which is exciting because you get to see it pan out. I'm excited to see uh, my boy Tyler Breeze on next week's show anyway because I'm a big Tyler Breeze mark, as you know. Of course. I'm glad I'm glad that he's got over with someone. Yeah. They like, <laughs> I'm fan, but... they like him at the Full Sail University as well. As well, you know. Fucking students. Oh. <laughs> anyway, we go on to this takeover main event, quality main event. Yeah. I'm, I have to bring it back a little bit. Io Shirai against Shayna Baszler in a cage for the belt shouldn't just headline a weekly TV show. That should be takeover level. If if you put the women's division at the same level of the men's, this is the feud ender. Especially with the way the match panned out, I don't think we'd be disappointed if this was at a takeover. Well, it, was it would have gone on for longer. It would have gone for longer for short, but it was very high quality. It's kind of an interesting choice they've made because this is essentially... Um, a rematch from TakeOver, except they put it in a steel cage. So, yeah, that feels like it should be the blow-off that happens at a pay-per-view. Yes, the rubber match. Around. And so I don't know why they've done this on TV. I mean, it's great in terms of your weekly product if you're going to be tuning in every week to the show to have these things happening. And after all, they're not really dependent on pay-per-view buy rates. So, you know, why not? Because that's not the system now. Um, and I, I, I tell you what, I was very excited for this one. I was slightly disappointed with what we actually got because of the ending or the general quality of the match. Because I, if if you consider it that it's Baszler in a cage, they they need to set it that it's it's somewhat MMA based. Yeah, there's some realism to it, and I thought they did really well. They made Io look handy. They made made it look like Io could deal with that kind of situation quite well Um, and it's one thing I wrote down what's the purpose of it as in what's the idea of what it leads to Mm. doing it on a a Wednesday night show on a random NXT and what happened with the result I guess it means that Baszler carries on and Io goes elsewhere or do you have the feud against Io and Candice it it leaves so much ambiguity. If you if you finish watching a takeover in UK time at three o'clock in the morning, long weekend, Saturday night, Sunday morning, you'd watch that and be like, I am so desperate to see what happens next. Yeah. You don't know. You don't fucking know. 
Um, there was there was moon salts and there was elbow drops off the top of the cage. It was fantastic. There was run-ins exactly as you need it. Um, cage matches. I, I, I hate cage matches. I'm not going to lie. I think they're the naffest gimmick. I think they're horribly sluggish when it actually comes to doing anything with pinfalls or like escaping the cage. I think they're shit. They're fucking horrible. And I thought they did a really good job. They made the cage look tiny. They made the the, the the door at least looked tiny, like there was a real struggle to get to it. Yeah, I mean, um, it's kind of I really like, and and the the the, the ending really made Basler look like a hey buddy. I'm just saying, like, sorry, I'm, I'm in I'm in the public bar of a hostel right now recording this. So I have to say hello to him. Um, yeah, it made Basler look really jammy, it, and it made Eo look like a, a fool, like she. Just go out the door at the side. So why would... you've got all these wrestlers like crawling along the mat to kind of try and climb out of the door that's just there. I feel like it's been superseded as a gimmick by the Hell in the Cell. Yeah, but Hell in the Cell was also twenty years ago. So you sure. could, they, the two things should be but... make sense. The two things are separate. Um, you you have one which is like a real feud and. Uh, brutal horrible match and the other one which is more of a, a, a more skillful mm. but, but if you're just putting cage matches on random NXTs for no reason you have to at least look at it going they're really trying to, to prove that this is the rubber match this is the final match you won't see these guys again on NXT one of them's I... going well EO's going probably I assume do you think I? I think they're building towards the the feud with Candice LeRae. Maybe they do. Yeah, that makes sense. But is that a takeover match? Just them for like just the blood feud. It, Io has no reason for the blood feud apart from the fact that she's a dick. <laughs> yeah, I, well, it, <laughs> you've been an idiot. Hopefully, they build it to something, right? Hopefully, they've got time between now and SummerSlam to build something up. I think they want to kind of build Candice LeRae up and do something more with her. So hopefully this is the start of something. I do um, hope so. Shayna Baszler, I was like I, said, I was looking forward to this match because I think Shayna Baszler is a suitably vicious kind of. They built her up as a monster heel, and she seemed kind of perfect person for the stipulation. Like, who do you not want to be trapped in a cage yeah, with? Shayna Baszler. She and... made Io look brilliant. She made Io look like a a a, a contestant. She made her look but like she, a challenger, and like that's credit to Baszler. She I kind of brought the best out. Her, I kind of wanted to see her. I don't know, ragdolled her a bit more, 
a bit like, you know, like the original Hell in a Cell with Shawn Michaels and yeah. The Undertaker, where it's something like out of, out of a horror movie, where the, Undertaker, where the Undertaker just keeps on coming. And I would like to have seen, I guess, Shayna Baszler just keep on coming a bit more and just and just look dominant and just scary and just make Irish Ride just look really under under threat for long stretches and just. Um, I, and then, yeah, but it, it, it's it's still NXT. Remember, with the like Taker and, and Michaels at that point had very well developed characters, and they knew exactly what was going on. At that point, you needed to build. Well, well for tonight, you needed to build EO as a legitimate cage fighter, and needed to mm. build um, Shayna Baszler as a legitimate professional wrestler, as a as a sports entertainer. How she won was perfect. Baszler didn't know she won that match. She woke up and she had the other half of the horsewomen around her going, well done, you won the match. And she had, was none the wiser. It made EO look brilliant. Uh, yeah, it made... Like, it made... I, this is why I mean, like, it, it, as a takeover quality match, you could have had that as a main event and leave with so much ambiguity and so many possible future storylines. The fact that they're giving that away on a Wednesday night on the network is a testament to the quality and it leaves so many options of what they do forward so it made EO look great but I kind of felt it made Shayna look like a bit of a goober like she won more by luck than design and even though she's supposed to be a monster heel there were kind of three on two and she was still she still didn't get the the benefit but but they didn't get the job done and I felt like the ending of the match, rather than this monster heel kind of winning or Io Shirai kind of triumphing, it reminded me more of sort of Shane McMahon versus The Miz. Yeah, no, exactly that. But but that's that's led to a, a lush storyline. That's led to The Miz looking like the heartfelt like good guy, and The Miz looking like a lucky bastard. Um, they they've built Shayna to be a beast, like an absolute like. Everest champion, like we've said over the months in this podcast, an absolute Everest of a champ. How can she be beaten? And you have to, you have to give threads of how someone can beat her. Because we, we've, we've discussed this. We want Candice to be the person that beats Baszler and, and takes the belt. And it's right. going to be a big crowning moment. It's going to be fantastic. But to do that, you need to give some kind of thread of how, how she's beatable, how she isn't just a tank, how she's got some weaknesses this shows it you know she's not a beeble sometimes she's just lucky sometimes she's got her friends with her if you spin that forward you have a way that she can be beaten in just a straight wrestling match against candace that's that's great well i guess we'll see where it develops something that interested me i don't know if you spotted this watching it in the bar but uh when io began during the beatdown of candace Lorray. Uh, people were still chanting for Eo. Really? Yeah. So she's more popular than Mrs. Wrestling? Yep. Well, Mrs. Yeah. Wrestling, I guess, hasn't done much to prove herself beyond that yet on screen. And yeah. Eo, obviously... She doesn't have competitive matches often. And, and Eo, obviously, one of the most popular women's wrestlers on the brand. But obviously she's here turning on someone, beating someone down who's... who's come in to help her help her out and the Phil Sale University just chanting her name, loving it. Well, this is this is why I went on to earlier. 
it makes it look like Io, that's her final title opportunity. She can't have another one. She's had plenty. She's had way more opportunities than most. Does It then leads to who's next. Candice yeah. beats Io. It has to be Candice. It has to be Candice LeRae. So, it will lead to a match. Is it a, an NXT match? Is it a takeover match? Does it then lead to the the big the next big title match, Candice against Baszler? We can see the direction that it's going to, but well, you against Candice at this point, they haven't built Candice high enough. They haven't built her strong enough. No, she's just kind of been um, Io's mate um, since we lost Johnny, the Sky Pirates tag Johnny team. Misses treading water. Yeah. Because Io's former buddy is now with Asuka on the main roster. Yeah. So they needed someone to come in and kind of plug that gap. Um, I'm not going to lie. I kind of, From watching this, and I kind of assumed that Io was just going to go up to SmackDown with with Kyrie and Asuka and, and Paige. And make it sort of a free bird situation. Yeah, just make them like a little gang. Like a little mm. Japanese gang. You can see how like petty they are. They'll get Shinsuke involved until uh, your boy <laughs> until your boy takes over. Eric Bischoff and actually mm. write something proper. Like I said, like I said earlier, with Bischoff and uh, Heyman taking over, the main roster completely changes and the mentality and the plans and the and the, the, the brand split is probably going to be completely reshuffled. So the plans of what they want from people in NXT is probably going to change as well. Be be very cautious of, with that, with what we watch in the next couple of weeks, month. What they had planned beforehand might not actually follow through because they might have actually sensible people in charge at top <laughs> that aren't going to ruin it, that aren't going to call yeah. people up at the last minute. Well, I, I kind of feel like if they... You're saying, like, <clears throat> I was essentially done at this point on uh, NXT. She's had so many title shots, you know, and, and, you, and you thought she was going to be taken to the main warrior, the main roster. I mean, my feeling is, and I, not to sound too reductive, but it feels like on the main roster at the moment, they've already got two hugely talented Japanese female stars. That they're wasting. That they're wasting and have just basically grouped together because they don't know what else to do with them. Um, and to add a third one, I don't hold out much hope that they're going to do better by Io than they have done by Kairi Sane or Asuka. Maybe they point. will if there's a reshuffle in the production staff and the right. Sure, team. I mean that's that's, that's my much. only hope with everyone, with everyone on this show, with everyone well, in NXT. Well, it's very much a wait and see situation, obviously, in terms of that. But in terms of just looking at what we know at the moment. They for example, really got... to take this away from just the main event and just away from the show, uh, with um, Riddle, yeah, with him wanting to beat Brock and to take over as the big MMA guy at the top. Yesterday, I couldn't see it happening properly. With Heyman in Raw, when he wants to bring Riddle up, shit, he might actually do a proper job with it. He might actually con- convince Lesnar to do it. More so with him as like one of the producers than just his advocate, as just as a manager and just as a, a writer and a producer. Yeah, like it's way more likely to happen. If you look at the women's division, Bischoff has all of this opportunity that he never had 15, 20 years ago. Mm. Shit, maybe he could actually write competitive 
compelling women's storylines that he could never do back then because it wasn't the lay of the land. It wasn't the way things were done. So, I've got way more enthusiasm about this stuff than a lot of people, but I think it's going to work out really well. No, I'm, I mean, I'm excited to see what happens with the main roster I am. But obviously, that's all speculative at the moment. But what I would what I would say is, if those guys are taking over and taking it, you know, it feels like, well, they might as well try and rehabilitate Curry, Sane, and Asuka and do something with them. You know, do they really need Io Shirai at the moment? Have they got a place for her? Well, maybe... Shayna Baszler, it feels like if they bring Shayna Baszler up to the main roster, there isn't really a monster heel in the women's division. Especially now they've lost Ronda Rousey. They could do with, like, just a destroyer to kind of come in. Maybe this will make them shuffle the pack in a different way. Maybe this was written with a different consideration of what they're going to need going forward. Maybe the plan of this will completely change and make no sense in in retrospect, and probably for the best. <laughs> I, well, I kind of hope for it. I kind of hope that it's it's more unpredictable than what it was like in the past. Mm. Anyway, that was a fantastic NXT. I, as much as I moaned about most of it, I really enjoyed it. Good. It was nice to watch DJ Z. It was nice to watch the Street Profits. It was nice to watch Keith Lee. It was a fantastic, like, of, like a pseudo-shoot cage match. Like, they made it feel real. I had a great time. Good. I am glad. And we're going to wrap this podcast up there. So, uh, Sam, where can people follow you? Yeah, S- uh, SMSMTH on Twitter. It's Sam Smith with none of the vowels. And you can follow me at Mr. Chris Chopping on Twitter. We'll be back next week. Uh, apologies again for any sound quality issues. It's the first time doing it on Skype, so we don't know quite that how that's panned out yet. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have recorded it in a hostel whilst they're letting people back in at 2 o'clock in the morning. That's probably a bad idea. We weren't to know. We weren't to know. There's no real precedent for that in podcasting. Uh, we'll so see. We're we'll see how it ground. works out. Yeah, maybe it's the future. And um, maybe, maybe we'll both do it from our hostel next week. And that's the end of this week's show, but we'll see you again next week. Thank you very much for listening and basking in our glory. Uh, goodbye. Bask in our glory. Thank you, Chris. Bye-bye. Bye.